0: Well, let's start off with one of the popular memes of 2019, okay? For you older generation out there, what a meme is, it is taking a picture and then allowing people to caption that picture to fit some type of funny situation or outcome. And this particular meme that we're going to start off with today is one of the most popular memes of 2019, And what it is is a picture of one of the ladies from one of the real housewives shows. And uh, she's having one of her fits or tantrums, (laughs) and then it has one of Smudge the Cat who is looking at her bewilderedly or confused, and they put these two pictures or images together. Is it up there? There it goes. Up there, they put these two (laughs) images together. And they allow people just to caption and and, and come up with funny scenarios or situations. So what I did was I looked for all the memes dealing with church, okay? all the memes dealing with church and for example one that I saw was this one this this is a church lady a member talking to the pastor and saying I'm called to pastor you know how we get sometimes okay you're not the only one called okay I'm called to pastor I know the Lord too and the pastor simply says usher you, you, you want to escort this lady <laughs> maybe you got to be a pastor to get that meme okay how about this one how about this one <laughs> The same lady, she goes, she's yelling at the pastor, hey, I'm saved. And the pastor goes, <laughs> he starts speaking in tongues. He says, yeah, but are you filled? Okay, that's what I want to know. I know you're saved, <laughs> but are you? maybe you got to be charismatic to get that one. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we all can get this one, though. The same lady, she comes and says, pastor, you said 2019 was my year of miracles. 2019 was my year for breakthrough. 29 year was my year for blessing. Pastor says, no, I said, tell your neighbor. <laughs> now, this is a double mean because pastors are forever telling you to turn around and tell your neighbor something, right? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor so-and-so and 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 such-and-such. And so this is a double meaning because pastors are always doing that, but pastors are always telling you this is your year. This is your year for blessing. Get ready, get ready, get ready because this is your year for blessing. This is your year for favor. This is your year for breakthrough. So get ready, get ready. And when the pastor says that, the the, the crowd goes in eruption. The church pl- applauses and begins to praise God. Yes, this is my year of favor. This is my year of breakthrough. This is my year of double portion. This is my year of, of, of miracles. But then you have some in the congregation who keep it real. (laughs) They keep it 1,000. They say, Pastor, you said that last year. (laughs) And you said that the year before that. And you said that the year before that. And the year before that, that this was my year. And I had the same heartache. I had the same pain. I had the same struggle. I had the same sorrow. Every year you say, this is my year. (laughs) Now, please don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with giving people hope. We are to be a people of hope. We are supposed to hope for things from God. We are supposed to believe for things from God. There is nothing wrong with giving people hope for a better year, a better tomorrow. But if you need to hear what God is going to do (laughs) in order to feel good. If you need to hear all the time what God is going to do, perhaps it is because you don't yet understand what God already did do, okay? <laughs> that is what we are here to give to you. Not to give you what God is going to do to fill your head with empty promises, but to let you know what God has already done for you. That is why we sang this song that we are going to see a victory and we serve a miracle working God because he has already done it. We already have the victory. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory because we're already there. We're already walking in victory. We're already living in victory. We already have the victory. We just need to know the victory we have. Rather than declarations of promises deferred, we need to give you revelation of promises already delivered. That is what we are wanting to do in the start of 2020. Not give you all of these empty promises, not pump you up to make you feel good so that you can see the exact same results, but to let you know what you already have, who you already are, and the, the power that is already in you to face no matter what this year may bring to your life. Besides that, nobody knows what God has for somebody's life. Okay? We don't know what God is going to do in somebody's life so we don't know what this year holds but that is not where our joy comes from our joy does not come from knowing what this year holds our joy comes from knowing the one who holds it (laughs) because if we know the one who holds this year, if we know the one who made this year, if we know the one who's already seen this year then we are able to have joy no matter what this year brings us Okay? But when we are desperate for change, and many of us are, I know that I'm not minimizing that point. When we are desperate for change, we want to hear that change change is coming whether it is or not. And I get that. But Job put it this way. In the book of Job, Job said this, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Though he's allowed this to come into my life, yet I'm going to trust God. God to be God. I know that God knows what he's doing. I may not like it. I may not understand it. It may not feel good to me. But though he slay me, yet I will still trust in the name of the Lord. Whether he gives or whether he takes away, I'm going to still bless the name of the Lord. And that is the message we need to be preaching today. That is the message we want to convey to those who are called out by God to himself. It is called joy. And joy is what's based not on circumstances of life. It is based on the faithfulness of God. You can have joy no matter what you're faced with in this year, no matter what you're going through, because you know that God is still on the throne and he is still for you. And because God is for you, he says no one and nothing can be against you. And it is why I have resolved. I don't make New Year resolutions, but there is one thing that I did resolve to do in 2020. And the one thing that I did resolve to do in 2020 was not allow anything or anyone rob me of my joy. Okay? (laughs) That is my resolute, okay? (laughs) My resolute for 2020 is to not allow anything or anybody rob me or steal from me the joy that I have just like the song we used to sing growing up this joy that I have the world didn't give it to me therefore the world shouldn't be able to take it away either I am not going to allow anybody to take away my joy I don't care what you do I don't care what you say I don't care what happens as long as God is still on the throne as long as my life is still in his hands I will have joy Because my joy is not predicated on the circumstances or situations of life. My joy is predicated on knowing the giver of life, God himself. And that is my resolute, and I want it to be your resolve as well this year. So, in our inaugural series for 2020, we are simply asking a question. And that question is... Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? This is the small series that we are starting 2020 off with. Do you see what I see? Anybody ever see those um, 3D pictures, those 3D artworks or uh, uh, posters where you can begin to see things pop out of the actual artwork itself anybody besides myself have a hard time seeing those things i mean you will go and somebody will be standing there and say oh yeah i see it there's a boat and there are waves crashing in and there's a dolphin popping up i see all that and you looking like where where is that i don't see that <laughs> try to help you out, right? You got to squint your eyes a little bit, or you got to make your eyes real blurry, or you got to focus on one point. They try to help you see what they can see. (laughs) Or a few years ago, we had that famous dress, right? Somebody uh, put out that picture and said, please tell me what y'all are seeing, because I'm seeing a black and blue dress. (laughs) But everybody else has seen a white and gold dress, right? (laughs) I want to know, do you see... (laughs) What I see. (laughs) And even today we have different things that help us to see even the unseen. Some of us wear glasses to see what's blurry. We use microscopes to see what's small. We use telescopes to see what's far away. We have certain things that help us see even what cannot be seen. And as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. As it is in the physical, so it is with the things of God. You see, having the ability to see is called sight. Having the ability to see the unseen is called vision. Okay. <laughs> having the ability to see is called sight. God healed a blind man. He received his sight. But having the ability to see the unseen, to see what cannot be seen, what well, God calls that vision. And God wants to give us the ability for both. To be able to see both what can be seen, but also what cannot be seen. So in Proverbs 29 18, if you have your Bibles, you've heard this verse before, but in Proverbs 29 18, The Bible simply says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. (laughs) King James Version. Where there is no vision, where there is no ability to see what cannot be seen, the people perish. In the New King, King James Version, it says it this way, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. In other words, translation, if all you see is what is, (laughs) then you won't pursue what could be. If that's all you see (laughs) is what is, what is to be seen is all you see, you will never pursue what will be or what could be. You know, we call kids, we call children immature, right? We call them immature because they cannot see beyond the moment that they're living in. They cannot see past the moment. We will pay many more dollars in insurance to cover our children because the insurance company knows that. (laughs) They know kids. They only live in the moment. They only live for the moment. They say things like YOLO. You only live once. (laughs) Yeah, but you can live in a a wheelchair as well. (laughs) You can live with disease as well. (laughs) But they don't see that. (laughs) Why? Because they are living in the moment. They're living for the moment. And because of that, we call them immature because they cannot see the unseen. They cannot see what's around the corner. They cannot see what's on the other side. They cannot see what what tomorrow is going to bring. And so they simply live for now. That is an immature spirit to have. And that's why God has called us all to grow up, to wake up, to mature in our walk, in our faith. Because just like children are that way in the natural, all of God's children tend to be that way in the spiritual. Where we tend to focus on the here and now, the moment that we're in, and we do not have the ability to see what cannot be seen. So God says, when you have that, when there is no vision, when there is no ability to see what cannot be seen, my people perish. My people cast off restraint. So vision will do two things according to this scripture. Vision number one puts restraints on you, okay? Vision will put restraints on you, but in a good way. When we ever we hear about restraints, we think about jail or handcuffs or something like that. No, but these are good restraints. Think of it like guardrails that keep you on the road. <laughs> when you have vision, you don't know and understand there are certain places I shouldn't be at. <laughs> there are certain people I can't hang around with. Certain things I shouldn't be doing when I have vision. Why? Because I want to make sure I reach my vision. So when you have vision, it will be like guardrails that keep you on the right track. That's vision. Without that vision, without the guardrail, anything goes. (laughs) You're all over the place. You're all over the road. So kids will skip school, kids will, will smoke weed, P- kids will get drunk, kids will have sex. Kids will do all that when they have no vision, when they have no direction, because anything will do. But find a kid that has a vision. <laughs> find somebody who has a vision for their life, a vision for their future. they not say, no, I can't do that. No, can't go there. No, can't do that. Why? Because I got a place I got to be. I got a place that I am going. Without vision, God says, my people will perish. And so vision, number one, gives you necessary restraint that you need to reach the vision that you have. Secondly, vision gives you something to live for. Vision gives you something to live for. You know, most people, they live to survive rather than thrive. Okay. Most people live simply to survive. They get up, they go to work, they come home, they eat, they watch TV, they go to bed. They get up, they go to work, they come home, they eat, they watch TV, they go to bed. They get up, they go to work, they come home, they eat, they watch TV, they go to bed. And somewhere in between that, they try and find something pleasurable to sustain them. Because they have no vision for anything beyond what they can see. They are simply surviving rather than thriving. But when you have vision, you now have something to live for. You have something to work for. You have something to work on because you have something that you that cannot be seen, but yet you have the ability to see it. And so you are going after it. You are pursuing it. Because if that's all you see life being, then that's all you will do. If life is nothing more to you than simply surviving and finding the next pleasurable moment, that is all you will do. So God simply says, I want to give you the ability to see the unseen. Or in other words, I want to give you vision. Now, last week we showed you pictures of what we would like to do with our facility. Not only are we doing things uh, uh, internally here with our facility, but once we get our debt, our mortgage paid off, we want to take care of the exterior as well. And last week, if you were here, do we have those pictures still? You can bring those up if you still have them. But last week, we showed you pictures of what we want our building to perhaps look like once we're ready to do that, okay? Why did we show you those pictures? (laughs) To give you vision, (laughs) Now, we can sit up here and tell you about it. (laughs) We can tell you what's on our heart and tell you what our plans are, or we can show you. We can give you vision of what we want to do. Therefore, you will be able to say, okay, I have a place to go. I have something that we're going to accomplish. So we want to show you the picture. We want to blow it up and put it in the foyer. So every time you come into this church, you see the vision. (laughs) You see what we are trying to do. You see what we are trying to accomplish. And so you know, I'm working towards something. That is vision. And the same way we give you an illustration to give you vision, God does the same with you and I as well. Before God will give you anything to do, he will first give you vision. <laughs> Before the mission comes the vision. Okay. In other words, God will show you what will be so that you will know what to do. <laughs> now, he won't give you every step, every minute detail of all the plans and purposes that he has. But what he will do is give you vision. He will give you the end result so that you may know what you need to do to reach that. And this is all over the Bible. But I believe nowhere greater than the calling of a man named Abraham. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Genesis 12, 1 through 4. We'll look at these scriptures real briefly and then we're going to be done for today. But nowhere is this illustrated. God giving someone vision... Before he gives them the mission, then with the life and the call of Abraham. In Genesis 12, 1, Genesis 12:1, we're going to read and see this. It says in Genesis 12:1: Now the Lord had said to Abram, his name was Abram at the time, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. To a land that I will show you. Watch this. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall Be blessed so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him this is the call of Abraham he says I'm going to give you a great land I'm gonna make you a great nation I'm gonna bless you you're gonna be a blessing in you all the families of the earth are gonna be blessed that is what I have for you Abraham that is the mission that I have for you but before he fulfills the mission He is first given a vision. (laughs) The vision is found in chapter 15. So if you turn a few chapters over to Genesis 15, starting in verse 1, we will see how God is now going to give Abraham a vision of the mission. Genesis 15, 1, it says this, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. What Abraham is saying, look, I am old. My wife Sarah or Sarai is barren. Her womb is dead. You have given us not one child, but yet you're saying you're going to make of us a great nation. How is that going to happen? And it says, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And here's the vision. Then he brought him outside, that is outside the tent, and said, Look now toward heaven. (laughs) Look up toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. (laughs) And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. What was God doing with Abraham? Giving him vision. God says, I've given you the mission. Now let me illustrate the mission for you. Let me give you a vision of what I'm talking about. I'm going to call you outside. I'm going to have you look up. And I want you to see if you can count all the stars you see. (laughs) I want to see if you can count all the stars of heaven, all the stars in the sky. And he says, all the stars that you see, all the stars that you cannot see, they are an uncountable number, but that's how your descendants will be. That is the nation that I'm going to bring from you. He gives them vision Of the mission. And the Bible says in the next verse, and he, Abraham, believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. There's probably nothing more important in this life than vision and believing it. Okay? Probably nothing more important in life than vision and faith in that vision. Vision and believe in it. It is the difference between the mission being still and the mission being fulfilled. Whether you can see it and whether or not you believe it. It is probably one of the most important things, attributes, or abilities God can grant us or give us. The ability to see the unseen and to believe it, that we may go after it. But your question may be this morning, but how Do I know that my vision is God's vision for me? You know, I can come up with a lot of things that I would like to do in this life, a lot of things I would like to do in this world. And so how do I know that my vision is God's vision? How do I know that the vision I have is of the mission that God has predestined for me even before the foundation of the world? That is a great question. There are three different criteria that we find in the call of Abraham that lets us know how to know whether or not a vision is truly from God or not. Okay? Three different things that every vision from God will have. Okay? Number one God will always give you what is greater than you. Okay? God will always give you What is greater than you? God comes to Abraham and he says, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Okay, He always gives you something that's greater than you so that it will take more than just you. (laughs) If you can fulfill your vision all by yourself, that's not a vision from God. When God gives you a vision, it will always be greater than you so that you will need more than just you. Namely, him to pull it off. Abraham was old. His wife's womb was barren. They could not do what God said for them to do in and of themselves. Couldn't happen. It was something that was greater than them, which mean they would need more than just them to pull it off. Meaning they would need the hand of God and even in our case, the people of God to do it. So if the vision you have, if you can do it all by yourself, you don't need God's help, you don't need anybody else to pull it off, that is not a vision from God. Because God will always give you something that is greater than you, so you will need more than just you. Okay. Number two, second criteria, a vision from God will always be for more than just you. A vision from God will always be for more than just you. He comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. He says, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In other words, what I'm going to do with you is not just for you, Abraham. (laughs) Not only are you going to be blessed by what I'm going to do, you're also going to be able to be a blessing to others as well. Because a true vision from God will always be for more than just you. So if your vision only serves you, if your vision only blesses you, if your vision only helps you and your family and us four and no more, that is not a vision from God. God is not concerned with getting blessing to you if he cannot get blessing through you as well, okay? Because every vision from God will be for more than just you. So the vision from God will be greater than you. It will be for more than just you. And then thirdly, lastly, a vision from God will outlast you. A vision from God will outlast you. Abraham has been dead for thousands of years, yet we're still talking about him. (laughs) We're still talking about Father Abraham. We're still talking about the faith of Abraham. We're still talking about the seed of Abraham. We're still talking about the covenant God made with Abraham. And if you are part of that covenant, to this day we're talking about Abraham, even though he's been dead thousands of years. Why? Because a true vision of God will outlast you as well. So if your vision dies when you do, that's not a vision from God. (laughs) the vision that God will give you is supposed to outlast you. It is supposed to go beyond you. And so just ask yourself, the vision that I have in my heart, the vision I have in my mind, is it greater than me? (laughs) Which means it's going to take more than just me? Is it for more than just me? And will this outlast me? Am I planting and sowing seed that is going to go well beyond my years on this earth. This is the criteria that we see in the call of Abraham and the call of so many others in the Bible we don't have time to get to. But these are the three things God will give you in his vision. And I'm here to tell you today, and my wife is here to tell you today, that God has given us a vision. God has given us a vision for this church. He's given us a vision for this ministry. For this city, this state, this nation, and this world, God has given me a vision. And my question for you today and throughout 2020 is, do you see what I see? (laughs) Do you see what I see? The reason why I'm so fired up, the reason why we are so passionate about what we do is because God has revealed something to us. God has shown us something. He has given us the ability to see the unseen. And so that's where this passion comes from. That's where this excitement comes from. That's what causes us to do what we do because we have seen something. And we are asking the question in 2020 do you see what we see? Do you see what I see? Do you see the world that I see? Do you see the kingdom? that I see? Do you see the future that I see? Do you see the God that I see? You will. (laughs) You will. If you commit yourself to coming to this church in 2020, you commit yourself to coming and being a part of what God is doing and is going to do in this church. I believe in that you are going to be able to see what God is showing my wife and I as well. You're going to be able to see the vision that God has given us and given this church so that you may be a part of something that is greater than you, something that is for more than just you, and for something that will outlast you as well. That is the vision that God has given. Now, as a story of Walt Disney's Widow. Walt Disney had died and uh, they, of course, were still in the works and the plans of different parts of Disney World or or Disneyland. And uh, there was a part of the park, I believe maybe it was Magic Mountain or Magic Kingdom or something like that, that Walt Disney wasn't around for. He had already died. And so at the uh, inauguration or the opening or the commencement of this Magic Kingdom here, they had a few people who came up and, and give a couple of speeches. And one of the gentlemen said, you know, this is so great what we now have here. And my only regret is Walt Disney is not here to see it. I mean, he, he's, he's dead now. He's gone on and he's not here to see uh, this creation. It is so beautiful. It is so magnificent. It's so wonderful. I would just wish to, that he would have been able to have seen this. Well, after he finished his speech, Walt Disney's widow comes up. She thanks everybody for coming and for attending. But she says, you know what? I have to correct that young man on what he said. He said, my husband didn't see this or or is not here to see it. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, no, he already saw it. <laughs> That's why you see it. <laughs> he was able to see the unseen. <laughs> He had a vision for this long before it came to be, and that's why we see it today. My husband had a vision for this, and that's why it is here today. Do you realize uh, uh, Milton Hershey, the, the, the owner or the, uh, the um, uh, candy bar uh, manufacturer, he went through not one but two bankruptcies, <laughs> had a fourth-grade education, started a business, bankrupt. Tried it again, bankrupt again, tried it a third time, and it was a success, okay? Why would he continue to do that? Because he had vision. And my question, I don't know the faith of these men. I don't know their spiritual walk. I don't know their relationship with God. But my question would be, because they're not the only ones in this world. My question would be, how can men of this world have more faith in themselves Than we have in our God. How can that be? (laughs) How can people of this world have so much more faith in themselves to go through adversity, to go through trial, to go through tribulation, but to keep going? To keep going. Why? Because I got a vision. I want to see this come to fruition. How can they have that much faith in themselves? And yeah, we want to quit. We want to give up. We have the God who speaks those things that do not exist as though they do. But yeah, we want to quit. Yeah, we want to give up. Yeah, we can't see, but what's in front of us. How can that be? It is because we have no vision. So what God is going to do for us today and throughout this particular series and throughout this year is he's going to open up our eyes to give us vision. So my prayer for you and God's prayer for all of us is that we begin to see even what cannot be seen. My wife and I, we invite you to join us. We invite you to go on a journey with us throughout this year to see what we see for the good of man and for the glory of God. Amen. And give the Lord a hand for his word, if you will, today.